Lord, we thank you. Father, I pray that's the cry of our heart, that we would return back to our first love. Father, there's a mission statement here. It says to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us. Lord, you can speak in a thousand different directions. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us what we need to hear. But give us the ears to hear, the ones in our heart and in our mind. But Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the faith to respond. Lord, we have no idea what this year will bring, but you do. We know that you're faithful. And Father, I pray that you would prepare us. Lord, we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I'm going to ask if you have a Bible or if you have it on your device to open up to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verses 57 to 62. It's also written in Matthew 8, 18 to 22, a little, a little shorter, which I'll explain in a moment. Title of the message is Follow Jesus. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, but I believe for me anyway, very challenging. And then when we take a look at the scripture, we're going to take a look at a few people along the way and that had opportunities, opportunities to do great things for the Lord, opportunities to, to really be close to the Lord, to be used by God, but they made some decisions along the way. So let's read. I'm reading from the NLT, Luke 9, starting at verse 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, the first person, if we're not going to read it together, but if you want to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 8, and you can read those verses. In Matthew, it tells us that the first person that Jesus encountered here is actually a teacher of religious law. This is a teacher, this is a person that knows scripture, this is a person that knows the, the religion and knows the religious law, but how many of you know that religion will only go so far? 2 Timothy 3.5 says this, there will be a people, and I'm adding there will be a people, but the Bible says they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. They will act the part, they will play the part, they will dress the part, they'll look the part, but they're going to deny, there's going to be a people that deny the power that can make them godly. So this first person that Jesus uh, encounters and runs into is, is maybe teaching in scriptural studies, maybe they have a, a group of people that are around them that they tell about God, but then Jesus calls this person somewhere, but they can't go any further because religion only goes so far, it doesn't go to uncomfortable places. Religion does not go to the place that's uncomfortable. In Matthew 8, 20, in the Passion Translation, it says, Jesus said, I have no true home in this world. Our, our home is not this world. When we leave this place, and we're going to all go to different places to lay our head tonight, but this is not our true home. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, our true home is heaven. 
Our true home is eternity in mind. Lenny Ravenhill said that he used to have a little uh, plaque or a, a little uh, thing on the wall, whatever it was, and just said the word eternity. That's it. And he would just look at that once in a while and remind him, we have an eternity ahead of us. This is not our home. John 21, 18 says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, and that doesn't mean only in age, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Praise God. Now in Luke 9, 59 through 60, just to read it again, he comes across another person. And this time Jesus is the one talking to the person. Jesus is the one making the initial contact here. The other person went to Jesus, the teacher of religious law, and said, what? I'll follow you wherever you go. And he said, there's nowhere for me to lay my head. I don't think the religion inside of you is going to make it where I go. And, that, and now he, we see the second person in these verses. And Jesus says, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Now, again, it doesn't say it in Luke, but it says it in Matthew. This was a disciple. This is a person that says, I am already a follower of Jesus. I am someone who believes in Jesus. Maybe you said the sinner's prayer. Maybe you got water baptized. Maybe you did all those things. And this person, Jesus has a calling on the person's life. He says, come and follow me. But he first then goes on with the excuse of, let me bury my father. And we'll get to that in a moment. Because in the Passion Translation, this man says, someday I will follow you, Jesus. Someday. Now the term bury my father, there, there's a book called Strange Scriptures That Perplex the Western Mind by Barbara M. Bowen. And I'm going to read this to you. The Palestinian understands this as an excuse. It's common in that country, even today the father was most likely well, but the son did not want to follow Jesus. The cultural answer is, no, I cannot, my father's dead and I must bury him. If you ask some in that area, even recently, to do something they don't want to do, they, they, they don't say they don't at the time, their excuse would be, I cannot, my father's dead. And the Amplified translation in the book of Matthew with this disciple, with this person interacting with Jesus, and Jesus calls him and says, come and follow me. He says, first, let me collect my inheritance. In other words, it's a person that says, I can't serve God until I get my plan finished. I can't serve God until I get my five-year plan finished and a certain amount of money saved up and, and maybe I need a house first and I need to be in a certain level of my career first. Some are afraid to serve God because they feel that their own family will disown them or won't provide for them. The Bible says, though your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you as your own. He will take you in to his family. There are some people that they won't follow Jesus all the way because they're afraid their spouse is going to cut, cut off their bank account. Never feel guilty to grow and live for God. Never. Luke 9, 61 to 62, the third person. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. Now, this seems pretty innocent. Let me say goodbye to my family. What kind of person is Jesus? You don't even want people saying goodbye to your families now? But there's more to it. In verse 62, Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, this let me say goodbye to my family is more, let me ease my way out of the past. Jesus, I will follow you, but I'm just not ready to fully surrender. 
I'm just not ready yet to, to say goodbye to the things that I need to get out of. We are to run from it. We are to forget what's behind and press on towards what's ahead. Jesus knows if this person wants to follow him and goes back to a past that isn't supporting this following, they can probably get caught back up again. How many of you got a family member, maybe they have a certain struggle and, and you know if they go back to certain friends or certain neighborhood or certain community, there's a very good chance they're gonna get caught back up again in that mess. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Don't go back and get discouraged from following me. A plow is a machine to break up soil, to prepare for the planting of seeds. That's our responsibility. We're, we're to be plowing. We're supposed to put our hand to the plow in 2023 and not look back. And then the seeds are supposed to be planted on the ground and we see the fruit of that eventually. In verse 62, another translation, Jesus told them, no, follow me now. Now. You can't wait for someone else to follow Jesus. There's some people that are single in here this morning and you're saying, well, well, if I go all in with Jesus, I probably won't get into a relationship. They'll think I'm crazy. If I go all in with Jesus, I probably won't get a job. If I go all in with Jesus, then I don't think I'll get married because nobody wants one of those crazy Christians. I'll go all in with Jesus after I have children. I'll go all in with Jesus after I settle into my workplace and everybody likes me. And then I'll come out of the closet eventually as a Christian. Luke 9, 62, in the Passion Translation, Jesus responded, why do you keep looking backward to your past and have second thoughts about following me? When you turn back, you're useless to God's kingdom realm. There is nothing in your past, beloved. There's nothing in the old life. You can ask Lot's wife. It didn't work out for her. Folks, we have a new year ahead of us, and we have an opportunity to live into the mission statement at Grace Point Gospel Fellowship. We have an opportunity, if, if 100% of the people were in 100%, this county would completely change. If 100% of the people tithe 100% of the time, the 40 plus acres that we sit on would be completely changed. 100% of the people went all in and didn't let a political party shape what their Christianity is supposed to look like, we would see change in our community. Because there's no man on either side of that aisle that shapes our Christianity. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's the Word of God. In verse 60, he says, let me say goodbye. And, and, and in other words, it's a person that says, let me say goodbye to some friends. There's some of you in here this morning saying, well, you know, I'm questioning. I wanted to start the new year off well. I wanted to come into the house of God. I, I wanted to get back to church. But it's going to take some saying goodbye as well. And for some of you, you're going to have to say goodbye to some friends who are dead and get some Holy Spirit faith-filled friends. And we are to be that friend. 
Before we move on, I just want to say this. I think the saddest part of these three guys, if they were guys, is that they missed Luke chapter 10. See, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends them out on a mission. Jesus uses them mightily, so mightily that he's got to remind them, don't don't get all excited about all the the spiritual victories that you're seeing, but just remember that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Remember that you belong to me. Remember that we're in communion together. Remember that you are mine and I am yours and I will continue to use your life, but they miss it. They miss Luke chapter 10. They miss the call. They miss it. They miss the orders, the marching orders that Jesus has for them. They, They miss what's going on in their life. Now I want to turn to John chapter 5. They're going to put the verses on the screen, but in the NLT, for some reason, they add verses part of 3 and 4 in a little note. And so if you're reading from another translation, you probably have it. But I'm going to read the whole thing, even the little note. So afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. And inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches and crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, tons of people that can't move. They're all laying on the porches. They're waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel, the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. That's amazing. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And instantly the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. And But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. And I love this because in verse 6, the Bible says that Jesus saw him and knew him. you you got to picture this. This is a man. Now, it doesn't say he was there for 38 years, but it does say he was sick for 38 years, and we know he was there long enough to see what was going on and know what was happening. And he tried to get in. Some of the translation says he, he crawled. He, he crawled to the edge, but you know what's amazing? Is he, if he knew the miracle was so close and the breakthrough was so close, what happened to make him crawl back? And we begin to walk with the Lord and we begin to say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. And we we get the stirring in our heart like the water stirs and it stirs and it begins to move our heart and we start to move forward and then we, we don't go in. We say, oh, look at somebody else. It's not an exciting life when we watch everybody else jump into the water. It's not an exciting Christianity. I would most likely believe that there are people sitting here today that you are probably one day away from quitting Christianity. Matter of fact, if you can go to heaven and walk away from it all, you'd take the deal. Because you haven't jumped in. God stirred your heart at different times in your life. But like this man, you question and you say, because this man can't walk. And folks, you and I cannot walk in the direction that God has for us in our own strength, our own power. But he wants to give us the power to do it. This man goes to the edge. The water stirs. What if he is there first? What if he falls in? What's the fear? 
The fear is it doesn't work. The fear is that he goes into the water and it doesn't work. And then what happens? He drowns. He can't get out. There's no way out then. Jesus asked him a question. He said, do you want to get well? Beloved, there's some people, they don't want to get well. They don't. They like the attention. They like the, the phone calls they get to make and, and the pity. They even like who they've become because their identity is not found in Jesus. It's not found in what Jesus says we are and who he says we are and what we have in him. Instead, they, they find an identity. Oh, that's the, the angry person. Come on, some of you this past holiday season labeled some of your family that way, right? Angry uncle is coming or crazy so-and-so is coming. And, and those people, they like it. They like the labels. They, they like the, the, the false, the, the, the negative affirmation that they get. That's why Jesus asks them, do you want to get well? And you know what's amazing is that the man begins to make excuses, But Jesus, in his mercy and in his love, doesn't even listen to the excuses. Instead, he heals them. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. That's what he says. He says, stand up. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for God's way. Stand up for the word of God. Stand up for those things this year. He says, stand up. Pick up your mat. No more laying around. It's a sleeping mat. No more sleeping. It's a year that we fight. It's a year that we fight in prayer. We have a prayer meeting every Tuesday night. And those of you who come to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night, No, it does not look like this in attendance. Once a month, I'm going to say it. Where are you? Once a month. It doesn't have to be the first Tuesday, but, but once a month, leaders that are in the church that lead ministries, once a month, Once a month to our deacons and deaconesses, once a month, once a month to get to the house of God and to pray and to believe God and fight. Stand up, pick up your mat, put it on your calendar, beloved. Because when the water stirs, I want to go in. And I want to go in and I want to see the glory of God and I want to see God move. And I don't want to be home when it happens. I don't want to miss what God is doing. And if you say, well, hey, the prayer meeting, this I can pray from home. You could pray from home. You could even be watching this from home. But that's not what the Bible says. It says don't give up meeting together. That's what it says. That's why in other countries they will wake up early in the morning and maybe it's not even a Sunday morning. At the risk of their lives, they will meet in somebody's house just to come together and worship, and encourage each other, and strengthen each other. Once a month, can you put it on your calendar this year to get to the prayer meeting once a month and fight and turn off everything else that's a distraction, that we would be intentional this year. Stand up, pick up your mat.
pick up your mat. Not every breakthrough happens on a Sunday morning. You'd be amazed what God can do on a Tuesday night. And, and I know this first Tuesday, first Tuesday of the year, there'll be more people here. Everybody wants to start off well. Some of you already ruined your New Year's resolution by the time you woke up this morning. That's just the reality of it. Don't make a New Year's resolution to come to the prayer meeting. Just ask God for the help to get here. Be here. So it's cold. It's also cold in Siberia. It's also cold in, in Russia. It's also cold in other parts of the world that people are still meeting together to pray. So it snows. Lord, I don't know where I'm going with this, but help me. <laughs> so it snows. <laughs> so what? Do you still go to work when it snows? Come on, beloved. Some of you and me, it didn't matter if it was negative, whatever it was, on New Year's Eve or another holiday, the club came around and we would go out to the mall and buy our outfits and, and, and buy what we wanted to do and some of you would get all the makeup, everything ready and, and you didn't say, oh, let me check my weather app it's only 15 degrees out. I'm going to give up my club tickets tonight. Beloved, pick up your mat and walk. You walk with the power of the Holy Spirit, and so do I. I don't want to be here. You think I, I have every single Tuesday I want to be here? Or Pastor Daniel wants to be I'm sure there's days that we just say, hey, I, I wish I was home right now. Sometimes you have to do it by faith. And you got to come and you got to believe God. Verse 10, this is what Jesus is talking about back in Luke. Because in verse 10 in John chapter 5, he's, he's the religious leaders and what they say, they said, you can't work on the Sabbath? The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat? Let the dead bury the dead. You seek God. Now, we just passed the Christmas season. I just want to share some thoughts with you. You don't have to turn there, but back in Luke chapter 2, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed a census should be taken, and this would have brought people back to their ancestral towns, including Joseph and Mary, to Bethlehem. Now, the census would have brought religious people back. You know that. These are people that heard the word of God. These are people that have been in religious services, and they would have went back and they're probably in their rooms praying or going through some religious activity. Could you imagine this with me? Religious people going back to the ancestral towns because of the census, and they're in their rooms. Maybe going through whatever religious activity they're doing. Maybe some of them are praying. Maybe some of them are just repeating prayers over and over. But now here's God of the universe about to be born as a baby and is coming to their doors. The knock came. See, some of them had room for religion, but they had no room for God himself. Religion stays clean and neat, but the birth would have been messy and inconvenient. It would have disturbed their religious lifestyle. Some may say, I'm, I'm good giving to missions, 
But Lord, don't lead me on a missions trip. Don't lead me to the mission field. I'm okay praying at home, but Lord, I don't know about praying out loud in a group at the prayer meeting. Your voice matters. Your voice counts, beloved. It counts. They missed it. I can hear someone praying for the Messiah. Could you imagine that? Lord, send the Messiah. Lord, we need the Messiah. But because their hearts were so far from God, they shut the door on exactly everything they needed. Some might have been sleeping in their room when the knock came. Some of the rooms might have been messy, dirty, sinful. Now, there's no excuse for sin. And as Christians, we are to call sin, sin, or we open the door to justify sin. But I want you to know that even in our sin, when the Lord Jesus knocks, it's not a time not to open. Some may think, well, God's going to destroy my life if I give him everything. No, he's come to give life. The enemy comes to destroy life, but Jesus comes to give life. God still uses those things that the world counts out. and He's not looking for those who are strong in themselves, but those who come in weakness. Those who have been with Jesus, those who walk honestly with him, those who are honest about their struggles, honest about their frailties. There are times we could be praying, God, use my life. God, I, I, I want to preach or, or I want to sing a song or you see the worship leaders up here and you say, I want to lead worship like they do. I want to I sing like they do. And, and we wait around for a, a stage. We wait around for a microphone. We wait around for a piano. We wait around for, for someone to give us a call or tell us to do that. But, you know, the reality is if we're listening to God, he will knock and it may not be in this building. And you may be at your workplace and God says preach. And you may be at your workplace and God says begin to sing. And the knock comes. But remember the stirring. The stirring in our hearts to follow Jesus will lead us to uncomfortable places. The second man back in Luke had a calling on his life. The calling is what God wants to do with your life. And the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. That's his promise to you and me as believers. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Back in Luke, the, Jesus was saying, follow me to leave the past behind. You know, you're going to have a really hard time stepping in 2023 unless you leave 2022 behind. You've got to leave it behind. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. Some of us need to walk away from some relationships and some lifestyles. Folks, time is short. Pastor Daniel shared it last night. At the end of 2019, nobody knew what 2020 would bring. And then he shared something else, and I agree with you, Pastor Daniel, that in the near future, to be a Christian is going to cost something greater than we've ever seen in this country. It wasn't a virus that kept people from coming back to church. It was because people were on the fence. And that virus just pushed them over. And if we find ourselves on a fence going into this year, we may not make it to 2024. There is an eternity at stake There's an eternity 
forever and ever and ever. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, and I want to talk to those in this house that need to surrender. I'm talking about for the first time in their lives, to be born again. The Bible doesn't call it anything else but being born again. Those are Jesus' words. What does it mean, pastor, to be born again? It, it means to have a new birth, a new start, a new life, except this time with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. See, none of us are born with the Spirit of God living inside of us, and so we need to invite Jesus to live inside of us. I want to share a verse with you out of the book of Luke 23, 26, because this is another man who's following Jesus. As they led Jesus away, this is meaning as they led him away to be crucified, he was carrying his cross for a little while, and then he was unable to carry it. And so there's a man named Simon, and he's coming in from the countryside. And Simon is coming in from the countryside unannounced. There's no doubt that this man, Simon, has seen religion before. There's no doubt that he heard the words of God before and words about God. There's no doubt that he's seen religious activity before. And he's coming in from the countryside, and so they force him. The soldiers force him. They grab him. They force him. They put the cross on the back of Simon now. And they make him carry it behind Jesus. He's following Jesus. And all his life he saw religion. But now he sees the blood. He sees his back open, ripped apart. He sees the crown of thorns in his head. He sees a suffering savior. He sees love. He sees everything that he needs. And we have more to this message, but I want to pause here for a moment, and I'm going to ask you if you're in this place, because the rest of it really won't matter unless you're born again. Everything I'm saying right now, really, the Bible says is foolishness to those who are perishing. If you're in this place and you're not born again, well, Pastor, how would I know if I'm born again? If you're living longer than the thief on the cross, there's a word called change. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm nicer than I was the year before. That's, that's not what we're talking about. Pastor, I come to church more frequently. That's not the change we're even talking about. I love Jesus. That's the change. The Bible says we were enemies. But when we're born again, we're no longer enemies, we're friends. We have a relationship with Jesus. We, we have a closeness to him. No one has to pull us to this building. No one has to force us to open the book. We want to. We have new desires a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. We look at people differently and nobody had to give us a lesson on how to look at people. We didn't need sensitivity training. Instead, we had the Holy Spirit giving us a new heart. We see people made in the image of God now. And when we do something wrong, we're not okay with it. We're uncomfortable. And then we have a desire to do right. And when things aren't right, we don't have peace. This is the man or woman or child who's born again. And so I just want to ask you before we go on in the service, if you've never been born again and you would like to, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I just want to stop and pray with you right now.
If you've never been born again, where the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and directs your life, would you raise your hand and I want to pray with you wherever you are right now. Anybody else? Anyone upstairs in the the corners of the balcony, the middle of the balcony, the main floor, anybody else? Praise God. Those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray this very real prayer with me. Pastor, why do you need to lead me in a prayer? I really don't. But I would like to help you articulate your words and your heart. I see your hand. I open, pray this prayer with me, those that are raising their hand. I open my heart to you, Jesus. And I give you everything. Forgive me for my sin against you. Be my Lord, my master, my savior. Be my God. Thank you for dying for me. And three days later, you rose from the dead. So I'm giving you my life. I open my heart wide to you, and I surrender to you. And because of you, I'm a new person. All of my sin is gone. All of my past is gone. I won't live there anymore. Instead, give me an amazing hunger for you, that I would be very close to you, and I would know how close you are to me. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Now we're going to close with this. The water will stir this year. And when it does, you may find yourself or I may find myself where we feel powerless and we don't have what it takes to get in. But just go in. Trust God. Jump in. The Bible says when the mighty waters rise, they won't reach us. Isaiah 43 says, do not be afraid for I've ransomed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. And when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up and the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God. So when the water stirs, beloved, go in and trust him. Because we're not going to drown. And I can tell you that if you begin to go into the water and you feel like you are like Peter, you can say, Jesus. And he will pull you right up. Now one more set of verses and they're going to put them on the screen and then we're going to close with prayer. And this is for a specific group of people. This is for those who, as I say this, you're not going to like it. This is for the religious in the room. This is for those who say, hey, yes, pastor, I know I've prayed that sinner's prayer, but I'm like those three men. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go where it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to go where it's hard. I'm not going to go where it's difficult. I'm not going to go as you lead me. And let me tell you something. God is very patient. He will wait. But I want to read this to you in Hosea chapter 2, starting at verse 13. Stay with me. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal. When she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers. This is a person who adores the world. This is a person who says they're in Christ. But they're also trying to delight in this world. 
He says there's a consequence to that. That's what God says. This person forgot all about me, says the Lord. But then I will win her back once again. And look how he wins us back. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her. In other words, the joy of the Lord will be your strength again. And I'll transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Some of us live in the valley of trouble, but God says, I will make a way when there is no way. She will give herself to me there. She did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. Remember those early days when we surrendered our life to the Lord Jesus? And some of us remember those days and we were close and, and, and we were intimate with the Lord. And God is saying, I, I will, as she did when she was young, that's how she'll give herself to me again, the bride of Christ. That's how it'll be sweet in this seasons that are coming up for the churches around the world and, and this one as well. That once again, those, those days that we longed, not for the distractions and all the different podcasts and all the different books and all the different apps and all the different Christian this and Christian that, but the longing for the presence of God to be with Jesus, to be intimate with him again, to sit at his feet, to open up the word. And I'm not against devotionals, but to push the devotionals as somebody else written, as somebody else heard from God away. And you open up your Bible again and you sit there and you let the Lord speak to you and you come into his presence and you let him love you and pour the Holy Spirit inside of you and come close. And come close, come close as we once did. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. No more knowing Jesus as a taskmaster. No more knowing him as someone who's hard or harsh because he's not at all. But we can sit at his feet. Oh, Israel, I'll wipe the many names of Baal from your lips. Those declarations that we made over our lives and over other people's lives of death and hell. No longer will we do that. No longer will we declare strength where there is no strength. And you will never mention them again. And I'll make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And I love this. And you will finally know me as the Lord. You'll finally know me. Some of us still live on grandmother's Christianity we still know the Lord through other generations we don't have to say the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob anymore we can say my God we can say my Lord my Savior my Jesus my friend my father and I want to tell you that there's some in here if and when you're led into the desert follow Jesus if you're led there this year follow him would you stand with me? I'm going to close with one more verse and then we're going to pray. Psalm 32, 8 through 9. You don't have to turn there. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you. Instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way. And lead you forth with my eyes as your guide so don't make it difficult I know I can make it difficult don't make it difficult don't be stubborn how many of you are stubborn I show hands I have two don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before don't make me tug you and pull you along 
just come with me. That's what it says. Just come with me. Now, beloved, the religious will never go. They'll never go to this place. They'll act religious but deny the power that can make them godly. They'll never go. And those who choose the temporary over the calling will never find out what God has for their lives. And those who won't leave the past, they won't make a break from this value system of this life. Some of you are so entrenched. You're entrenched into the value system of this world, into the value system of certain political parties. I don't care which one it is. Entrenched into the entertainment value system of this world. You're entrenched. And if you don't make the break and let God shape you and mold you, you'll never move forward into life God has for you. Follow Jesus. That's the altar call this morning. Now, Pastor, what's an altar call? Why do we do an altar call? Can't I pray for my seat? Absolutely. Absolutely. Am I in any position to say the person that's sitting all the way in the back that honestly cries out to God, he won't answer him because they didn't walk up here? Absolutely not. But there is something about that almost nude Savior hanging on a cross with blood spilling out of his body in front of his own mother, in front of friends, in front of enemies, that said, I will humble myself. And so I'm asking you this year in 2023, if God spoke to you this morning, you find yourself maybe as one of those three, maybe you find yourself the water stirring and you're unwilling to jump in because you're afraid you may drown. Maybe you find yourself being led already, led into a desert where he wants to speak tenderly to you there. Maybe you found yourself in religion. Maybe you find yourself saying, God, I don't want that call on my life. God, that, 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 that calling doesn't make enough money or that calling doesn't, I don't know about that, where it would lead me. Maybe you find yourself unwilling to break from the past then I'm gonna ask you as a man to get out of your seat, humble yourself before the Lord and meet me up here because I'm gonna be praying too. No matter who you are, whether you sit in the corners, you sit on the floor, if God spoke to you, don't say no, follow. You can come now. The worship team's gonna lead us in worship. You can come, step out of your seat and pray and just say yes to God. If that's the cry of your heart, give him everything this morning. Father, we need you. We need you, God. Lord, there's so many in this room that, Father, I'm asking please in your mercy. God, I'm asking in your mercy for those who play games, for those who don't have the oil in their lamp. Father, please, I'm asking, Lord, we have no idea what's around the corner. We have no idea what it will cost us. Jesus is the reason you said that even families will be divided, parents and children and in-laws and so on, because there's going to be a cost of following you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those who need to let the, the dead bury the dead. We're about life. Father, I pray they will come this morning. I pray, Father, for the exhausted that they will come this morning. The suicidal will come this morning. The broken will come this morning. They will find life right now, Jesus. 
They will find life. God, I pray for those whose heart are pounding in their chest and they're refusing to get out of their seat and say, I'm going to come. Those who've been sleeping on their sleeping mat, who are unwilling to fight as they watch their children fall to the side spiritually as the enemy comes in and ravages the camp. God, let them see mom and dad and let them see dad first step up and fight this year for their children. God, that they would fight again. Just like when David and all those mighty men went and they saw them coming on the horses and they heard the pounding of those horses, God, coming. And they said, oh, that's my dad. That's my dad coming. He's coming to fight for me again. God, for those who have young adult children who say they just need to find their own way and that child is still waiting for affirmation and they're still waiting for your love. They're still waiting for your touch and direction. They're still waiting for their dad and their mother to be intentional in their life. God, I pray for parents to break through that nonsense. God, I pray for grandparents in this room to learn to get a hold of you, to learn to fast and pray, to learn to cry out for their children and their grandchildren, to learn to believe you again, to not think that this is just one form of religion and then there's others, but to know there's no greater joy than to know that our children are walking in the truth, God. God, for the young people that are in this room that can barely keep their eyes open because they were up all night. God, let them know the knock is coming and the room may be messy, but God, you're not here to destroy. You're here to give life. Father, meet us right here, right now. For those that need to walk down a flight of stairs in front of everybody and humble themselves because you have called us to walk in a low door. You've called us, God, the entrance, the gate is low. It's low. I pray, Father, they won't wait. They will not fear the faces of men. Father, we will behold you. So, Father, I pray, everyone that needs to be here, just let us spend time in your presence and let the cry of our heart be yes. We need your power to follow you.